Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Living Room Logic Welcome to Living Room Logic, a place for you to chill out and have a laugh with two scientists who know too much about very, very little. This episode, we explore the tiniest things in the universe, how particle physicists just like to smash things together at incredible speeds, and why quantum physicists think the universe is tied together by cosmic shoelaces. Create a parallel universe and follow the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy what you hear, maybe leave a review or tell a friend. Come find us on Instagram or Twitter or other social media that you both use and don't use at all. Sit back and enjoy because none of this matters. Okay, everyone, welcome to Living Room Logic, where two biologists who are giddy on alcohol, <laughs> especially Andrew, who's <laughs> Bailey's giddy right now. Can you blame me? No, not at all. In fact, I encourage it. And uh, today, these two biologists are going to, you know, we're going to try the insurmountable. We're going to try and explain physics. And not just any physics, <laughs> but some really difficult <laughs> physics. <laughs> Oh, we we studied hard this week, everyone, okay? So you're going to love this. Oh, Um, like for a final exam in a module you didn't go to the lectures for. That's how it felt. (laughs) Honestly, got to give it to physicists. They they are some smart dudes. Yeah, legit. Anything like that, it's... Oh, that was sweet. And we're going to need that. We're going to need plenty of those noises this episode. Oh, we're going to need these. I think physics is something that for the most of the time is just intuitive, right? It's you don't need to know that cycling harder makes you go faster. Okay, Mm, that's an intuitive bit of physics, right? But when we talk about the like the classical physics, like what you're really thinking about, how how do you calculate what what goes faster at what rate, etc. You kind of go back to your man who saw an apple fall from a tree, Mr. Isaac Newton. That dude with a wig. They all had wigs back then if you were in the Royal Society. It was just a, it was a rite of passage. But that he, he basically measured how quickly things would fall to the ground. Mm-hmm. He measured gravity and he kind of used that to, you know, do what was trendy at the time and go, oh, cool, we're all looking at planets. That's what all of us physicists are doing because, you know, they're big and unexplained. Let's do it. And he made these equations that could kind of calculate everything that was going on at a solar scale okay mm-hmm. there he would calculate it how to use orbits he was the creator of calculus which has tormented so many students across the centuries since and <laughs> that was but that was that's a lot of the foundation of physics and anyone who takes a physics course or anyone who does physics in uh, their end of school exams they learn some mechanics they learn some classical physics that uh, newton did and that's, to be honest, that's easier because you can see them. OK, you yeah. can look at it and you can see it. But as you when you say, OK, let's look at something smaller. So instead of a planet, you look at a rock. OK, you can still see that. What if you cut the rock in half and then you cut the rock in half a million times and then it's completely unobservable. 
Mm-hmm. It's much harder to come up with these equations when you can't actually see what's going on, when you can't observe it. And it kind of brings you to how small do things get. And it's quite interesting, right, that these Greek lads uh, called Lepicus and Demo- uh, Democritus came up with the idea first. They were like, hey, like all, like all uh, Greek philosophers said, they went, well, lad, uh, Aristotle, we have a great idea that we came up with. And we think that if we keep chopping something up, we'll eventually get to the smallest amount of anything. And we can use that smallest subunit of anything to make all of the things that we see, from the clouds to the mountains and all that, and Aristotle slapped their hand and said, stop being stupid. <laughs> so that so that idea died for about three or 4,000 years. Uh, and then, <laughs> in the Renaissance, people were like, hmm, maybe that's not that bad an idea. Maybe mm. there is a smallest subunit of all matter, of all things, that you can use to build everything around us right and this was the reason this was contradictory was because people we didn't have the idea that like energy or mass was conserved you know you think that you would set a fire and all of the wood would vanish and it would vanish into the atmosphere and you've enjoyed your heat mm-hmm. and there, there, there wasn't any concept of conservation but there was a scientist in the 18th century called Antoine Lavoisier And what he did was he tested exactly that. He set a fire in a closed container and he burned material in it and then measured the weight of it before and after. Really Mm -hmm. simple experiment. And he found that the weight didn't change. Mm -hmm. So even though we were visually looking at a loss of volume of mass, it didn't change. So there had to be some subunit that was just turning into a gas of some kind that wasn't totally lost. So something mm-hmm. had to be conserved, right? Mm-hmm. And so people started going, hey, maybe, maybe there are these fundamental subunits. And that kind of leads us into the late 1800s, early 1900s work where we started to look at the discovery of the atoms by John Dalton. And I think, Aiden, it's your turn to talk some physics. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's your turn, Aiden. <laughs> Here's the stick. I hand it to you. I hand it to you and I go back to my Baileys. This guy, John Dalton, and, and several other people, I think the idea was that they thought that atoms were these kind of indivisible things. They were these kind of like really strong, tiny, tiny, tiny uh, spheres and they made up different elements and that different elements on the periodic table were were made up of their own atoms, you know. Um, but then actually, you know, we know from looking at our, our physics and chemistry books that that's not the case. And actually, you know, there's this entire storyline of things that have happened. And buckle up, kids, because I'm about to tell you about every single bit. Um, oh, all the, ki- all the kids have already left the podcast. Oh, don't the, kids, don't. <laughs> the kids are gone. Only only the mums remain. <laughs> only the people who actually understand physics left and they're just here to have a drinking game about these two biologists making mistakes. Last week Andrew insulted all of the all of the mums away, so now it's just No no I, <laughs> I guess there's only those that are in between kids and mums, okay? Welcome. Ooh. Sit down. <laughs> Have a sup of a can. That's what I'm about to do. Oh my gosh! Oh, we need it. This is a, this is a doozy. 
So after Dalton, okay, and his idea of this uh, solid atom, uh, you know, other other researchers during the time, and this is just before the turn of the 1900s, the 20th century, and this guy J.J. Thompson, um, you know, he actually had the earliest version of what is known as a particle accelerator. Mm. And all it actually was, was this, it kind of looked like a, just a little glass sphere, it was uh, a glass uh, um, connected to a glass tube, and then there was another glass sphere on the other side. And you would heat up one side, and you would have uh, a gas, like a helium gas, in there. Okay. And it would excite the helium gas. It would send it through. And actually, in that glass yeah, yeah. tube, there were some electrodes, and it would actually, like, it would, it would basically yeet those helium <laughs> uh, atoms at the other side of um, the receiving end. And mm-hmm. actually, um, he built this thing that was able to um, basically change the, the trajectory of the particles. And at the top of the trajectory were these tiny little light particles. And they were smaller than what they thought the mass of the atom was. In fact, they were really small. And J.J. Thompson found that they had this negative um, uh, charge. And turns out that in 1897 he found the electron Mm. and so um it was actually one of his students then uh, a guy called ernest rutherford about 10 or 20 years later is uh, i think it was 1911 that he Mm. found uh the other two parts of the atom so what he did actually he used radioactivity um Mm. to and and the weird thing about radioactivity we actually talked about it in one of our previous uh yeah yeah um episodes that radioactive elements actually give off these alpha particles they just like decay Mm. and they come they come firing out of the um of these elements and they come firing (laughs) out like little bullets okay yep and so if you actually point them at a certain thing, you can literally use them as these these charged uh, bullet particles, right? Um, so what they did was uh, Rutherford and his students, they got these alpha particles and they started yeeting them at gold foil, okay? Okay. Yeah. Gold is a really stable element, okay? Chemically, it's very mm. stable. And so it, it won't, it won't, it's not very easy to knock its uh, protons and neutrons, which are inside of yeah. its... Uh, uh, nucleus out and so actually they shot these alpha particles through this gold foil and most of them went through and they were like okay great great okay <laughs> we understand and then one eight thousandth of them didn't and then they were like hmm so is it that the middle of these atoms are really dense and actually it's they kind of calculated that it is this the nucleus is this eight thousandth of the size of an atom that's this really dense part and it's filled with these neutral particles called neutrons and positive particles called protons and so that's mm-hmm. how the whole idea of the atom was uh, was devised was was basically um, mm, devised come up with. yeah and so but you know um, a lot of uh, this this sort of physics kind of went stale after that, and and moving on into the twenties, thirties, forties, actually some physicists started looking up at the sky and were like, hmm, maybe 
if we try and detect particles coming down from space that we might be able to see something and and what happens is that um you start getting these things called um cosmic rays so these like okay. weird particles start getting detected um and and it's really weird because they they use these things called um um, later, they use these things called cloud chamber experiments. And it's when you go super high in the atmosphere and then you have this particle detector um, that actually detects uh, these uh, subatomic particles that are, are not electrons, neutrons or protons. No, that's um, cool. And they, they come flying in and before they get burnt up by the atmosphere or, or bef- you know, before they interact with uh, the Earth's atmosphere, um, they get uh, detected. And actually, um, what they decided to do then was create these more sophisticated um, particle accelerators. What I was talking about that J.J. Thompson did, but instead they started smashing protons together. And that what that does is it creates a bunch of different particles. And actually, throughout the kind of 30s, 40s and 50s... Um, you know, loads of different theorists and particle physicists start ma- finding these crazy subatomic particles, and you, you start finding things like um, uh, pions, sigmas, lambdas, deltas. You get particles and antiparticles. There's loads of this crazy stuff going on, and actually, there's this one guy called um, John Bell, and he's he's actually an Irish guy. And Andrew actually told me about this dude, but um, absolutely amazing. I didn't realize that we were represented in this uh, this story of things. Um, but uh, <laughs> this guy John Bell actually found the pion, and and he actually um, he went on to do some great stuff that Andrew will talk about uh, later about uh, quantum quantum theory. But um, you know that whole field uh, he added to that, but. Hmm. Um, you know, not to get into that yet, um, this kind of mountain of particles and crazy things that uh, basically at this point in time, just after World War II, uh, physicists were kind of like, this is chaos, this is chaotic, and they didn't really know what to do. Um, but then in the 1960s, uh, a guy called Murray Gelman was looking at these kind of z- this zoo of particles and he decided, hmm, this kind of makes sense. And there are symmetries in some of these particles. And he actually predicted that some of the most basic particles that we know, like electrons, neutrons, protons, they're all made up of things called um, quarks. Well, at least uh, protons and neutrons are. Mm-hmm. And so he predicted these in the 60s. Um, and and actually, you know, the funny thing was that uh, after he predicted these things called quarks, which are actually like the building blocks of these subatomic particles, much like the the periodic table of elements is to chemicals mm-hmm. um, uh, and to uh, molecules. Uh, so <laughs> these quarks were actually accidentally discovered. In uh, Stanford, they were trying to take a... <laughs> electron micrograph which is basically uh they're trying to take a picture mm-hmm. of uh of a proton right and in order to take a an electron micrograph you need to absolutely again yeet a bunch of electrons at a proton mm. and what they actually didn't realize was that that would 
completely and utterly destroy the proton or not destroy but um, change the proton and and cause a collision and the collision actually caused them to find these signatures of quarks mm-hmm. and, and so that's, that's really where the quark cool. was found so so if you can think about it like uh, it the perfect analogy is the kind of periodic uh, table of elements and that quarks are part of this kind of second level of of table of, yeah, of yeah. Uh, subatomic particles and actually, this brings us to what is known, and and you know, over the next kind of forty years, right up to modern day, and um, we get what is known as the standard model of of uh, particle physics. And so, the standard model now we know that there is actually uh, twelve different subatomic particles. Okay, very confusing. Don't worry about it too much. <laughs> but there's basically. Basically, there's way less particles than there are, like, atomic elements. Like, in terms of, uh, you know, there's loads of different atomic elements in the periodic table. There's a couple hundred. Or no, there's like 150, something like that. And so there's only 12 of these that are matter, uh, 12 of these um, uh, uh, subatomic particles. And to be honest, the only ones you need to worry about, and the only ones that we're made up of, are these things called up and down quarks and electrons and then there's this fourth level called electron neutrinos and they're totally weird uh, <laughs> they're going through us all the time oh um, fun actually they're produced by the sun and oh. i don't know what the hell they do i'm oh. a biologist how the hell should i know <laughs> i was kind of waiting for like a and this is what's in, okay you, uh, fair enough you know what yeah that is totally understandable mm. but these so if you can imagine that there's one column with these four things, right? Yeah. And then go over, there's two families that are heavier, each okay. one heavier than the other, okay? Mm-hmm. So you have an electron, a slightly heavier electron, which is negative, is yeah. called a muon, and then the slightly more negative is called the tau, right? Okay. But anyway, imagine that for every single one, for the up-down electron, all those oh, so they guys, all, right? they all have They all have some brothers and sisters. Exactly. But yeah, the weird yeah. thing about those other ones is that they're slightly heavier and they actually never exist for very long. So, like, electrons and up and down quarks, they exist as protons and neutrons and electrons yeah. and atoms. But these other things are kind of like intermediary uh, or, or maybe like, you know, they, they're in the middle of a process. You know what I mean? Mm. They don't really exist for very long and they're kind of part of these these different uh, links to uh the creation of other things that's very confusing very confusing (laughs) and to make you even more confused oh hit me okay there's four more of these uh these particles okay but they're actually called bosons okay and they're you're a boson you're a boson you're a (laughs) (laughs) boson don't you call me a boson (laughs) don't call me a boson either Anyway, the, there, there the, are apparently four of them. Go on. The idea is that those those first 12 things that I was talking about are, are all called matter particles. Okay. Mm. And uh, and basically they're called f- fermions. Uh, your man, again, Enrico Fermi, going back to him. Enrico that, Fermi, fist pump. That guy, that guy touches everything. Like, you'd swear this podcast was dedicated to the man. He's everywhere. The Fermi podcast. He is uh, the Fermi podcast. Seriously, though, like, shout out to that dude. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Oh, man. Nuclear physics, um, astrobiology, amazing. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, let's confuse everyone more. Um, bosons are the opposite of the fermions. They don't hold matter. They are force carriers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have this thing called a gluon. You have this thing that you know very well called a photon. And that is, you know, that's what what travels at speed of light, and so mm-hmm. does a gluon. Um, these and these other two dudes called Z and W bosons. But the idea is, and and this is where we get into kind of quantum um, theory, and 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 the, there's these things called um, fundamental forces. Okay? Mm-hmm. And everyone knows what most of these fundamental forces are, or at least you know one really well. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know this one called electromagnetic uh, force. You know, you know the electromagnetic force. Um, photons travel through this and they interact with this force. Okay? Do I know the electromagnetic force? That's a big... <laughs> that's, that's a, you should. Uh, do I? <laughs> what you is, should. Any examples? Because I'm a... Well, the idea that um, uh, electricity can be turned into light. A light bulb is a, a perfect example okay. of the electromagnetic force. Um, you know, you can use really powerful magnets to okay. make things go really fast. You can so magnet, magnets, electricity, this is all kind of, they're all one family. Yeah, I like it. Okay, so 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 all all these things are uh, they're 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 of the one family of the electromagnetic force. That's fun. Yeah, so you got this yeah. electromagnetic force, and then you have a load of forces that you will have no idea about. No, the only other <laughs> one that you will understand, and actually isn't included in this whole standard model, and it's something that we might talk about later, because hmm. it's such a hard um, force to understand, is actually gravity. Um, and so Newton would disagree, but go on. New- Newton's <laughs> got a very easy understanding of this, but basically what... Um, you know, not to talk about the the force of gravity because it's actually not included in this standard mo- model. Um, Wowzers! But but there there's basically um, for instance that other thing that I talked about the gluon mm-hmm. that um, is part of another force called the strong force or the strong nuclear force. What it does is it interacts with this force and it keeps quarks together. Okay. Okay. Quarks don't like to be alone. Okay, everybody needs a friend, okay? Oh. Bob Ross says it all the time when he's Bob painting his beautiful little paintings, okay? Everybody <laughs> needs a friend, okay? So so this is like the, the attraction between two lonely, teeny tiny particles. Exactly. You know, we, we're going to have to keep... He- yeah. <laughs> Up cork sees down cork. Oh, bless. <laughs> we're going to have to keep humanizing things because that's the only way biologists can understand this. <laughs> <laughs> so they like each other. Okay, I get that. I understand. They like it. Okay. Wait, Biologists yeah. take yeah. on particle physics. <laughs> they like each other and it's a force of nature. What can you do? <laughs> Strong nuclear force is basically like love. Oh. <laughs> and so that, going back to reality. Oh, oh, <laughs> any physicist listening just went, oh, they just sh- shudder to their core <laughs> listening to exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> So, what are the other forces? The weak nuclear force. It's kind of... Okay, it's more like uh, a fling. Yeah, it's a fling. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's basically a fling. 
it's self-explained. It's it's uh, slightly weaker than this. Strong force is so strong that you physically like it's almost impossible. You you can't break these two quarks together. In fact, when you try and do it, what happens is that you actually create more quarks. What? <laughs> when you when you put in enough energy, it actually creates another two quarks. So it's just like if you try and break two quarks, it'll break them into two quarks and two quarks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> it makes my head hurt. So so the, these these quarks are like super super connected, right? And then. You try to pull them apart, and exactly, it, it, it's like it's like two people on a relationship going on break, mm-hmm. and two other random quarks just—they're <laughs> like, "Hey, just come in and it's like, whoop, you're uber compatible. Let's hop on in there." <laughs> <laughs> and that, kids, is how toxic relationships are born. <laughs> oh, oh dear, oh yeah, <laughs> kids. <laughs> this is a, such a this is such a fruitful analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. It is. Let's quickly move away from fundamental forces. Oh. Um, last one weak nuclear force is it explains radioactivity and how radioactive decay happens. Okay. Okay. It also explains how the sun works and how fission works and how nuclear fission and nuclear fusion works. Mm-hmm. So it's very important because it basically means that we can get a tan. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's all I have to say about that. Okay, we went real in deep there. No, okay, so, but there's there's just there's one more thing about these forces, okay? And okay. This is maybe one of the coolest things and one of the most abstract things and something that are uh, that Andrew's going to talk about more. Um oh, yes. in terms of uh, quantum mechanics, but while all this crazy particle stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. Um it's great. People are finding particles left, right and center. They know what the hell's going on. They come up with this thing called a standard model. But this guy called, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, uh, Richard Feynman, mm-hmm. um, one of the kind of most famous uh, quantum physicists or just physicists in general. Oh, he's done a yeah. lot of stuff. Lecturers, um, the whole shebang. He's a very interesting character. He used to go amazing, to, he used yeah. to go to his like, the only things he'd bring to a conference were whatever he needed to present and a set of bongos. <laughs> and <laughs> he was... He was something else, and he he won the Nobel Prize. And on the day he won the Nobel Prize, he just went, "I can today say that nobody alive understands quantum mechanics." After winning the Nobel Prize in quantum <laughs> mechanics, <laughs> and after that, Andrew's going to try and make you understand. Oh, I got this. Don't worry, Richard Feynman. Who? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, the only thing that I'll say about Feynman and and his work is that this is a tough one to take in right now, everyone. But there's this very, very well-accepted theory called quantum field theory. And it's that all of these forces and all particles exist and interact with a certain quantum field. So, take the photon, light particle. It interacts with the electromagnetic field. Take the gluon. It interacts with the strong nuclear force field. Z bosons, W bosons, they interact with the ne- uh, weak nuclear force field, and etc. And actually, for every particle, it has its own uh, field that it interacts with. Okay? So easy peasy, am I right? Sure. <laughs> and, you know, so this idea comes up and it actually makes quite a lot of sense. Okay? And, and the reason it makes sense is because... It goes back to 
the 1960s when this uh, mathematician and uh, uh, kind of theoretical physicist called Peter Higgs oh my god Andrew's drinking straight out of the bottle he can't handle this physics I'm breaking here I'm breaking it's rotting his little <laughs> biological love brain oh I don't understand how I'm meant to make a lovely analogy <laughs> about this why do all the particles not just love each other isn't that the whole point go on Aiden I'll suck it up <laughs> So this guy Peter Higgs in the in the 1960s again going back he actually predicts this additional quantum field mm. called the the Higgs field. Okay. Um aptly named. And and the idea is that it actually gives these uh, uh two of the force carriers uh, the weak force um carriers mm-hmm. mass. And what it actually really does though in and what we why we care about it is that it actually unifies the electromagnetic and weak force fields and it actually means that they're all just one and it's called the electro weak force okay okay just think about it like this you have these several different forces and you have these different fields wouldn't it make a lot of sense and wouldn't it be quite nice if you could unify them all and have this beautiful unifying theory sure that sounds great don't ask me to understand it but yeah sure if everything's unified, then it's, you finally figure it all out, okay? Because right now, I mean, I, I tried to explain that whole standard model and it's all over the place. There's a lot of stuff going on. And it makes a biologist shit his pants. So to find out if this Higgs field exists, mm. what Peter Higgs finally came up with was that he told experimental physicists that you could actually identify a particle that would exist on this field called a Higgs particle. Okay. And that's, maybe you've heard of this Higgs particle because it's also termed the God particle. And the only reason it is is because the fact that it would bring all this stuff and unify all of these theories together. Hmm. Uh, this electro weak force and all of the, it would basically mean that there's a final force carrier, a final boson on that standard model that yeah. would kind of make a lot more stuff make sense. <laughs> That would help. It it would help. It would help a lot. It would mean that a lot of this stuff is actually quite unified. Yeah. Well, you know, like you were saying before with the quantum field theory, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, look at all this cool information. But you know, uh, let let let's ig- completely ignore gravity. The the one one of the few things we can objectively, as anybody can see, that when they trip they fall. You know, it, it doesn't take a. You know, uh, like they say, it's not the fall that kills you, it's the landing. It's, <laughs> you know, it doesn't take a physicist to figure that out. No, so, uh, and yeah. actually, that's coming from two biologist physicists. You guys <laughs> yeah. are dumbasses. Gravity, okay? That's the one thing we got. Love matters. And just con- <laughs> just continue, just continue. We're, we're, we're not winning any favourites here. Um. So everyone between the age of children and mums, um, here's the cool part. This Higgs boson is what it's called. This particle, this God particle that, that people were saying. Physicists got all got together from around the world and over about 30 or 40 years built this uh, huge particle accelerator called the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland. Okay, mm. And it took, it took decades, right? And this thing is... 27 kilometers long okay that's excessive 
it's huge so it's like mm. a 27 kilometer um dia- or not diameter it but it's 27 kilometers in length and it pretty much covers the entire city of geneva all right it's huge wow it's all underground um, isn't it it's underground it's about That's 100 crazy. meters underground right so Man. what they do is there's there's these four parts of the ring that have these sophisticated detectors the detectors are five stories high they if you see a picture of one of these things and i'm sure if you unless you've been sleeping under a rock for the past 20 years you will have known that uh i think it was in 2009 that i was in school and i knew i knew i was in secondary school and i knew that the world was about the end there was this whole idea that <laughs> once they started this uh, Large Hadron Collider that it would cause a black hole. Yes, and destroy and the, the known trees. universe. <laughs> and and, and so, well, at least sucking Earth into a black hole. But, you know, the truth is, is that it does create a very, very small uh, black hole. But it makes a black hole that is, is instantaneous and actually dissolves straight away. Mm. So the physics, like Stephen Hawking um, came, made that theory of the theory of black holes. And, and 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 it was perfectly detected in those uh, experiments. And so, from about two thousand nine to two thousand and twelve, they would send clusters of about a billion protons, and then they would send a billion protons in these little clusters the other way. Mm-hmm. And at these four regions, they would make them collide, and the explosion would create really high energy particles like the Higgs particle that the Higgs particle doesn't really exist on its own at normal kind of stable low energy like as we are today but during the very early startings of the Big Bang and just after the Big Bang the Higgs particle would have been in existence if it was correct if that theory existed that's crazy it's amazing so dude the analogy yeah. that i have for the large hadron collider and and colliding these billion protons against these other billion protons is that you get maybe 10 of those uh protons collide right and it's okay. like getting two really crappy cars and smashing them <laughs> together and then creating a beautiful ferrari that then vanishes like out of thin air you just like clash them together and it's like oh my god poof and then it's gone and that's what happens right and actually the thing is is that they detected the higgs particle they did this and they found it at um it's something like 125 times the the size of a proton and whoa but, but the the thing is is that they detected this and the way they detected it is from what it decayed into and then the the things that it decayed into hit the sides of the detector so it's amazing it's it's absolutely incredible the sort of uh things and calculations and detections that they can do i don't understand anything of what you just said <laughs> so so wait wait so so this was 125 times the size of a proton yeah and it like you, you smushed these together and you magically developed this Ferrari Higgs boson god particle, mm-hmm. which then crumbled into, once again, your crappy two cars that were, or crap, let's say it the, the god particle was the engine. And then it just crumbled back into these components of the engine. Uh, is that it? And they were like, oh, well, 
you could only get the god particle from these components of the engine. It's nearly similar. So you're getting these two kind of crappy cars that are that are fully, uh, you know, it's they're you're getting two full crappy cars, and you're eating them at like it's ninety nine point nine 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 percent the speed of light. Okay, a little quick, but go on. Six nines. (laughs) (laughs) You're hitting these two cars together. It creates for the slightest instant the ferrari the god particle then those decay into two different crappy cars and what's detected is are the two different crappy cars okay. and you can go back you can basically ca- back calculate well what was the mass of the okay. thing that those two things decayed into okay so that's how they do it that's crazy and what's amazing is that they take it's something like 16 million detections a second so the, it's like a huge camera and the camera is like a, it makes a beautiful 3d image of what just happened and actually there's so much data that it only saves the interactions that kind of maybe are in the lines of a, a size that would be important to them so yeah yeah I, uh, I i heard some people saying that look if if you actually logged every single one of these collisions because they do them all the time now that it would literally fill up every single hard drive in the world it would just no one would have space in their computer if you well like that that totally makes sense because you'd be taking in information from literally all of existence yeah you know what i mean like that that is like it's it's completely nuts the way that they detect these things like even just taking a picture of an atom is nuts uh, the yeah. idea of just smashing these these little smaller tiny particles, and then like what one 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 in eight thousand gets you know gets a gets into a fender bender, it goes off in a, at an angle, and you're like, oh, I wonder what that hit. It's more like ten and like the fact, billion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I meant I meant with the gold, with the gold and oh, the beta yeah, decay the that you mentioned the, before. The nucleus, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's just, it's a similar concept for detecting these because it needs to you're you're not detecting the thing itself you're detecting the things that boink off yeah. of it you know mm. and that's that's how the quark was found as well you've never actually found a quark you've seen the deflections off of a quark oh but aiden you are the quark <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to scare off the physicists, yeah. you know. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, that's it. I'm done." <laughs> yeah, I, that, that was it. That was the line. I can't do it anymore. So, I don't know. Let's just reiterate: CERN and the Large Hadron Collider—they did it. They found this thing. Um, and yeah, it's amazing. The 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 significance is that yes, it confirms that there might and very may well be this uh, Higgs field. This. Mm. It, what, in other words, this electroweak field, and it's it unifies those forces. And the idea is that at even higher energies, that you might be able to create particles that might um, also unify the strong nuclear force. So yep. this whole theory, and it's an amazing theory. It kind of pushes into this 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 last thing that I want to talk about. That's known as. Um, supersymmetry and it's it's an idea that so I I only mentioned it really briefly but when during that zoo of particles uh, that were being found in the kind of 1940s and 50s 
Um, mm-hmm. There were anti-particles as well so there were particles and there were anti-particles it's like you get an electron and it has a complete opposite charge and it's called a positron okay mm-hmm. you get a, a, an up quark and you get an anti-up quark okay they, okay, are, they yeah, yeah. are physically they exist okay so yeah. and we have detected those those are those were actually detected some of them were detected before they are even predicted okay okay cool there's this idea that there's actually an even another set of uh, the standard model called super particles or sparticles, which sounds super cute. <laughs> <laughs> sparticles. So like Spartacles. your your quarks are your squarks, and your you know I don't know your electron is your selectron, and your you know so your muon is your smuon, all all of that stuff. Oh, um, it's smuon. It's cute. Oh, okay? But yeah. this idea is that you have the standard model and your electron is negative. You have the antimatter where your electron is positive and then you have this other standard model in the middle that's neutral and it balances them out. Okay? Yeah. Maybe that makes sense. <laughs> to who? <laughs> yeah, not to me. And so... <laughs> the, but but the, the overlying idea is that all of those matter particles that I was telling you about, those fermions, they all have a opposite force particle. And all of the four force particles that I was talking about in the general standard model, gluons, photons, mm. Z, and W plus and minus bosons, they all have uh, uh, opposite um, matter fermion particles. Okay? Okay. They all balance yeah, yeah. each other out, all right? Mm. Mm-hmm. It's all conserved. And actually what this would do, and this, once you do the calculations, like me and Andrew knew, know what the hell that means, it brings the Higgs field to an equivalent strength that allows matter to exist in the way it exists in our universe. Okay? Hmm, that sounds useful. It's very useful because yeah. when you, again, when us biologists do the math, the incredibly complicated math of that sort of uh, calculation what you find is that it's really kind of lucky like we're really lucky that we have this Higgs field that exists at this certain size so that everything Mm. else can exist and that matter and quarks can make up protons and neutrons and and electrons and that they can create atoms and that atoms can create matter or larger uh, compounds and molecules and Mm. life so it seems to add up way too nicely but actually so this supersymmetry would make a lot more sense in that those sparticles are the reason yes. why this higgs field is at the level that it's at that it's not it's not giving way more mass to certain particles that or 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 making certain particles massless because if it, every particle was massless everything would travel at the speed of light like photons photons don't have mass mm. gluons don't have mass so they travel at the speed of light okay Mm-hmm. Everything else doesn't because Higgs particles interact with them and give them mass. And that's the whole idea. Okay. Okay. Super yes, sir. duper great. Last thing I want to talk about. Hit me. This would actually explain uh, uh, some stuff to do with um, dark matter and um, dark energy. Because physicists actually know this already and have known for quite a while. That there's about... Um, the matter that we know, atomic matter, made of up, down, quarks and electrons, us, everything yes, we know, stars, everything. 
That's 5% yep. of the matter in our universe. Okay? 95% of the other stuff in the universe, we don't really know what the hell it is. Okay? And, and physicists call it dark matter because they don't know exactly what it is. Okay. And it might make sense that this dark matter is actually the super partners or the particles that I was talking about, those neutral particles, and it would make sense because they don't have a charge. And so they're just these kind you. of invisible neutral particles that don't really interact with our version of the universe and our matter that we are made of. Okay. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay, yeah. Just not yeah, the line. Great. Yeah, that great. That sure. Yeah, sense, I, 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 yeah. I get, I get you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And the last thing is that, and this is kind of amazing, is that um, I don't fully understand this. I mean, I don't understand anything I'm talking about right now. But um, the idea is that, based on the the kind of first standard model that I was talking to you about. The after the Big Bang, matter and antimatter should have met equivalently and annihilated mm. each other, and so the universe should have just been full of photons fizzing around okay. at the speed of light. Okay, but sure. it's not. We're all having a great old dandy time <laughs> on Mother Earth, <laughs> and we're looking for other places to cause global warming. Okay. Yeah, fun. Yeah, love it. And. This supersymmetry idea, again, would add up to and explain why there is an imbalance of more matter than than there is antimatter in the universe. And, in fact, it is about a billionth of the matter that was destroyed at that moment when all matter met antimatter. So everything in the known universe that is made up of this atomic matter that we're talking about is a billionth of what was at the start of the Big Bang. And with that... Good luck. <laughs> I'm just going to leave. My, is it my... You're going to leave it at that? I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll leave... Okay. No, no, but I, I'll, I'll finish off... <clears throat> this section with a quote from this guy called Harry Cliff um, and maybe Go for it. this might make a little bit more sense um, maybe it won't <laughs> but okay. it's based on the same premise okay he mm-hmm. says you and I are leftovers every particle in our bodies is a survivor from an almighty shootout between matter and antimatter that happened after the big bang in fact only one in a billion particles created at the beginning of time still exists today So that was part one of our journey through tiny physics. Go and listen to part two, you absolute science-loving scallywag. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.